When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris, joined today by Edward Kay. How are you, Edward? Yeah, all good, mate. Another Liverpool win. Uh, plenty to talk about, yeah. All good. Absolutely, mate. And, and uh, Paul Ghost is with us as well. Ghost, are you OK, pal? Yep, all good. Uh, it wasn't an shift for this one, watching on the telly. Um, and it was a little bit different, but uh, at least I could have a beer with it rather than hovering over the laptop. Exactly, mate. And have you locked the, uh, the dog flap today so we won't be getting any um, <laughs> well, little wonders across? He's actually on my lap as we speak. I'm ah, like a, a, a Dr. No type of character, just you know, the, the, the animal on my lap. So uh, we'll see how we go. But at least we're not recording it you know, on video because he likes to get his mush on the camera. This is true, mate. This is true. Uh, if only Russell Brandon thought that many years ago. Uh, right, listen. Um, so uh, I went to um, I went to I went to the play uh, theatre last night. So I, I'm going to give you the overall thing of what I went. I have seen the, the football match since. Uh, went to see Boys from the Black stuff on the Royal Court. Astounding. I mean, it's it's a it's an adaptation of the 1980s. Um, just remarkable drama written by Anne Bleasdale. Brilliant performances. Uh, Barry Sloan's incredible. My mate Dom Carter's brilliant in it. It's brilliant. If you're out there listening, first and foremost, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. But uh, if you want to go out there for a, a really interesting, uh, it's powerful. It's it's powerful. A lot of laughter in it as well, but it's a very, very powerful play. Uh, really, really looks into metal, uh, men's mental health as well with the Aussie Hughes character. It's brilliant. Anyway, uh, go and watch it. Um, basically, before the play started, looked at me, looked at me uh, phone 1-0 down at half time to Lask. Uh, Turn me phone off. And there's that interesting thing now, Ghosty, where Liverpool are building a character where I don't really... I don't really mind so much. We don't want it. I don't want to be one nil down in any game. But uh, there seems to be a, a, a strength in depth there, character-wise, where I feel like, I know it was Lask, but I'm feeling like, OK, we're going to get this back. We've done it more times than we need to, really, in recent times. But uh, there seems to be that strength of character where, where they, they believe that they're, they're going to they're gonna overcome any kind of a goal that they go down, Paul. It seems to be like a good strength in the side. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good trait. Isn't it the one that you'd like to have within your squad? It's a, kind of a little bit of a unknown thing. How do you develop that 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 skill, that that strength? But I suppose this Liverpool have got it. It's um, it's it's one you'd rather not have to rely on as much as they have. I mean, this season already, I think was it only Chelsea is the one where they haven't they haven't uh, trailed at some point. So that that will need to change because they can't carry on. But while they they're getting themselves out of jail, but the strength and depth with the Quality of players they got in reserve, and 
everyone's playing a the part. They're all being called upon, aren't they? I suppose it's um, it's a good trait to have. I mean, I think I think this start and slow thing dates back at least eighteen months now, towards the kind of back end of twenty one, twenty two, when they were going for the title. If you look in in the the title running for that, there was so many games towards the back end of that season where they, they started slowly and they were a goal down and and they had to force their way back into it. They didn't lose many. I think they only lost to Real Madrid in the final in that in that running. Every other game has had a drawn or won, but they did it loads of times last season as well. If you if you kind of go through it, like in loads in in spades and spades, particularly at the start of the season as well. It'd be interesting to see what the statistics are around that. I might actually dig it out for something over the weekend, but. It's um, it's one you'd not have, you'd not, you wouldn't want to rely on too much. But you know, while they do, you'd rather them come back three-one than um, the alternative, wouldn't you? But it can't, it can't carry on. They need to, they need to switch on earlier and start games like the finishing them, and then um, hopefully it's not too much of an issue going forward. But while it is, I suppose you can praise the strength and depth available to Klopp, and um, it's a new look squad who are um, finding the feet as they go. So. Yeah, so far, overall, I think it's been a really good start. But the first half at Wolves and the first half last night were, were really poor. And if, I think if they do that on Sunday against West Ham United, they might come a cropper. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really tell a tale of the game, Ed, does it, the scoreline, and certainly the 1-0, because it was a it was a weldy shot, really, that, that went in from a set-piece edge of box. And uh, it, was a great, it, it was a great goal. But 11 changes, mate. It's difficult, isn't it, for these players to come in and just hit the ground run playing new players. I mean, Ben Dolek getting the start, Gravenberch. Um, you had uh, uh, in as a right-back. It, it, it was a very expen- experimental kind of lineup, wasn't it? And it was total domination, really, wasn't it? Let's be honest. We went to goal down, but it was 77, 78% possession in the first half. And then sort of got a grip themselves, made a few changes to, to, to see at home. But very difficult for that 11 to just jump in and, uh, and, and, and prove themselves, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're spot on about 1-0 at half-time, really not sort of telling the, the full story. I mean, if you look at that goal, I, I think they've clearly identified something on the training ground. You know, it was a nice little routine, a few of them blocking a few Liverpool defenders off so he can get the shot off and Kelleher's got no chance. But I, th- I think if you compare that to to the Wol- the first half against Wolves, I mean, it, it's night and day, isn't it, really, in terms of the level of performance. I don't think... I mean, for a long time now, under Klopp... I've always had a lot of faith in as long as we're not go- as long as we're not going into most matches at half time 2-0 down against a really good side. I've got I've just got so much faith in what he's going to say to the lads at half time and the changes he's going to make in the second half that it, I, I he said he said before the game, you know, it was one of his um German bits in his press conference, I think it was uh, translated, but he said something about, you know, we don't want to go into this game with with a sort of arrogant attitude, but I have to say 1-0 down at half time. There was there was just no doubt in my mind that I mean, especially with the strength of that bench. I mean, that that bench was it, it was Man City esque, wasn't it? Really? I mean, the amount of high level players. I mean, the fact you can bring Salah on to just sort of, I mean, I mean, differentiate between the standards of football. I mean, that was a vintage. I'm a bit too good for the group stage of this competition cameo, wasn't it? Really? I mean, definitely should have squared the ball for his goal. Thankfully, it went in. Otherwise, I think. Harvey Elliott might have been having a bit of a go of him instead of giving him the funny look that he gave him. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a very different, very different first half performance to Wolves. Obviously, still, still going in one 0 down at half time. But I, I don't like I say there, there was no real doubt in my mind about what the result was was going to end up as. And I, I would imagine most fans sat at home and in the ground were probably the same. Yeah, no, and, and uh, Ed's just pointed it out, Paul. It was a different, it was a different level, wasn't it? I mean, last last 
um, were kept at bay most of the time. They did do another nice little cheeky free kick um, set piece in the second half where they knocked it to a player who ran to the ball and tried to back flick it across the goal. He nearly got away, but you can see they've done it on, on the training ground a few times. But I mean, they were largely kept at bay, weren't they? But but what 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 performances stuck out for you, Paul? I mean, I know that. I mean, Harvey Elliott was excellent. He was a great little engine all the way through the game, wasn't he? Pachetti seems comfortable, but again, with with the standards uh, uh, we were playing against, it's tricky to know what he'd be like against a really top team there. Um, and Gravenberg, but what what about them yourself, mate? What did what did you think of the performances that stood out? Yeah, uh, it was good to see Gravenberg. You know, getting to see what he's all about. I think. There's a little bit of, you know, there's a few loose passes and a few rough edges to his game there yesterday, but he hasn't really played much, has he? Certainly, Bayern Munich, I think he only played nine minutes this season in the three or four games before he come to Liverpool. So, hasn't really played since the back end of the last season and, you know, has barely played many minutes over the last year or so. So, I think once he gets up to speed a little bit more with the new surroundings, new teammates, new way of work and all that kind of stuff and gets himself really fit, I think you can see the... You know, the a promising young player in there. There was just one or two things he did that make you think he's a he's a player. There was one where in the first half where he kind of dropped the shoulder and and he went past a couple of men and, and burst into their half. And it was just the touch of a quality player. And at the end, I think he got a little bit of cramp, didn't he? Because he hadn't played much and he ended up coming off with that. But I think there was enough in there to suggest that this this is a decent player. Obviously, got a caveat that with the, the level of opposition. Lasker certainly not going to be the strongest team Liverpool play against. But Liverpool have tracked Gravenberg for a while. And, um, you know, I think we'll see in, in the coming months that there is a real player there. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops from, from here on in. Um, I think he will be almost nailed on to start a lot of these Europa League games while he gets his feet under the table. So he, he was a big positive. Um, good to see Stefan Bichetic back in there. I don't think this kind of hybrid midfield right-back role that they've got should be reserved for anyone other than Trent Alexander-Arnold, just basically for how unique he is in the squad. But um, good to see him back, back, back in the team, Bichetic, for the first time since March, since the, the defeat of Bournemouth back in March. So that's six months now he hasn't played for. So it was important to see him. Always good to see Ben Doak. Doesn't need to be pulling up any trees at the moment, just needs to be getting the experience and showing a few more people what he's all about. And I suppose good to see Van Dijk back in the team as well, because obviously he hasn't played for nearly a month until yesterday in, in Liverpool colours at least. So, yeah, all in all, it was a very um, very pleasing night for, for Jürgen Klopp. A little bit of a stuttering first half. Pitch was terrible. Took a little bit of a while to get going. Got sucker punch with a bit of a, a worldy goal, really, from Florian Flecker. But uh, all in all, a, a good night at the office. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, absolutely, and all that without Gakpo and um, and Jota, who didn't even didn't even get off the bench really. Uh, it, it showed a lot of strength and depth, didn't it, uh, Ed? But again, we have to take into consideration the fact that um, that there were there were levels of difference there, wasn't it? With play, I mean, they, you know, the the Austrian league um, isn't of the standard really of the Premiership, is it? But the, the decent enough side. He had a few threats, didn't he? But you you touched on it uh, earlier on. But the the the, um, the impact Mohamed Salah made, and I, I, one of my sons would tell me, and I'd have to fact check, check this, but he he read out something last night and he said that this is the twenty first game in a row that um, Mohamed Salah has either scored in or assisted. Um, we'll have to check on it because uh, he read it off his phone. 
And if it is, it's just phenomenal. But it, the most bonding is it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's true. I mean, he's one of those players, isn't he? He came on last night and it was just, it was like, it was like the world was watching and he, and, and he didn't disappoint, did he? His, you know, crossing balls with the outside of his boot didn't quite get there, but he, he was just doing some incredible stuff, wasn't he? And, and the goal, you know, Ghosty's saying, um, there was no way Avi Elliott was getting that cut back, was he? <laughs> I mean, that's part and parcel of Mohamed Salah, but what an extraordinary talent. And he, and he underlined it last night, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a Liverpool legend that we're watching before our eyes, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm sort I'm sort of dreading, you know, with all the Saudi Arabian interest over the summer. It was the first time I really thought about, you know, life after Mohamed Salah, and it's going to be rubbish, isn't it? I mean, it, one of the main points everyone was making when there was this Saudi Arabian interest was, you know, you can thrive much money at, at us, but the list of players as good as him in his position in the world is. It's two or three people long, isn't it? He's just an unbelievable footballer. He made that goal look so easy. It was sort of like a a bit of a... I mean, we've seen him score two worldy goals against, you know, Man, Man City and Watford was at, um, last season or the season before. I can't even remember now. But um, it was sort of... There was sort of like a, a mini version of that, except he only, I think he only had to take on about three players rather than the four or five he was taking on against City and Watford. But he just makes it all look so easy. And yeah, like you say... I, Harvey Elliott, I don't think he ever stood a chance of getting that uh, that cross. And he did give him a bit of a look, but uh, I think they get along pretty well. You know, Harvey Elliott's spoken at length about wanting Mo, Mo Salah to, to stick around as long as he can so he can keep learning from him. And I mean, what better example to take? I, I, I've quite often thought, I mean, before sort of Ben Doak burst onto the scene, I, I thought Harvey Elliott might be a decent option for a Salah replacement once he eventually does go, obviously. He does play in midfield as well, so it remains to be seen where, whether he uh, nails down a spot in midfield or on that right flank. Or if, I mean, I, I would imagine for the rest of these Europa League group games, at least, that Ben Dirk's probably going to make that right flank his own. But I mean, for anybody who, who wants to play on the right, anybody at Liverpool looking to play on the right, I mean, what what better example could you have than him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Klopp's been talking about um, how good Harvey Elliott's been in training, Ghosty, isn't he? And saying that he's knocking on the door and and you, you, you know, you can't blame that. You can't, you, you can't argue that, can you? The kids. I mean, last night in particular, he just didn't stop running. He was breaking down attacks. He was trying to get a foot in here, there, and, and supplying really nice moves and passes and stuff. He, he really is knocking on the door of, of what is becoming a very packed midfield, isn't it? But he's, but he's certainly got a part to play this season. Yeah, I think, I think what the thing with Elliot now is, um, the dogs kicking off here. You have to excuse me. Um, so Liverpool have reduced the age of their squad considerably over the summer and, and they've lost so much experience in Henderson and Fabinho and, and Milner, of course, and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and Cater as well. They brought in younger players like Kravberch, who's, who's only 21, and McAllister, 24, Zabozlai, 22. So while, they, while they're of a similar age, Elliot's only 20, and they're kind of new to the team, new to England, you know, a couple of them. I think, you know, Elliot inspired a little bit of a chance to step up in responsibility and a little bit of seniority within the ranks because he played a lot of football last season and it was crumbling down Liverpool as a whole for, for most of the season or a lot of it. But I thought he had a, a decent season on the whole. So I think now is his chance to step up and take the next step in his career because um, he's a really talented footballer. We, we've all, we all know that from watching him. We've all seen it, haven't we, over the recent years? But now is the time to start putting it together on a bit more of a consistent basis. And I think so far, so good for him. I think, he, like you say, he is knocking on the door. Every time he's come off the bench, he's made an impact. He thought he was really good against Wolves. 
thought he was good against Chelsea on the opening weekend and come on against uh, Bournemouth as well and, and was decent. So, yeah, uh, he's just got to carry on doing what he's doing, I think, and um, giving Klopp something to think about in terms of who's going to be his, his first choice midfield because at the moment, I don't think there is a, a first choice three, is there? Like, you know, for years it was always Fabinho over Henderson and, you know, whether it was Thiago or whether it was Wayne Alden going a bit further back. But at the moment, you're looking at it, you think, well, Thiago's still out injured, and you know, probably only Zabozlai has Neil Atam, maybe McAllister, but everything else is up to, is all to play for. So um, yeah, another encouraging showing off the bench from uh, well, he started in the yesterday earlier, but certainly second half he, he was very good. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, Ed? Because it, it feels like there's that the, the, there's a, a motivation for players now again, doesn't it? It feels like you you know at the height you want players to be fighting for those places because it lifts up their levels and when they hit the ground when they get the opportunities to go for it feels like we're building that up again now certainly in midfield aren't we and up front if you think about it because you got Nunes last you know the three goal scorers last night Nunes Diaz and Salah you know Nunes is fighting for the place um obviously Diaz Diaz is is, is another world class player and showed it again last night Salah we've already talked about but where you've got Nunes and you've got uh, Jota, and you've got Gapo, you've got a little bit of fighting there for positions, so you've got levels rising. And I think the same for uh, for Harvey Elliott as well, because we have got Graven Bates, we've got Slobbers like uh, McAllister. And it's interesting because that's what you want, isn't it? You want these players fighting for that position so their levels are rising. Yeah, spot on. I mean, uh... I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said that Fabinho sort of getting comfortable with um, being nailed on as a starter was, was his biggest issue last year. I, th- I think his legs had just gone. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a positive to have that sort of competition for places. Obviously, you mentioned in the midfield. I think even more so up top. I mean, Klopp's got a situation now where he can, he can, he's basically got five top class forwards, and he can just sort of rotate as and when pick pick whoever's in form. Which is why you know when when Nunes comes on and, and lashes two in against Newcastle, you think right, well. You you can have another another couple of starts in a row, and then if it doesn't go right for you, we'll bring Gakpo in through the middle. We'll we'll bring Jota through the middle. We might shift you out left if if Diaz is still performing. It'll go there. Pretty much the only nailed on spot in that midfield three and the attacking three is is Salah on that right really for any sort of decently big game. But yeah, I mean the options he's got now compared compared to what he had available to him last year, it it, it really is night and day. Specifically in that midfield, I don't think we're I don't think we struggled for attacking options, particularly last year. But yeah, that, that midfield three, in terms of having a, 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 anyone in a nailed-on position, I think yeah, Sobersly is probably probably the only one who you, who you look at and think yeah, you're, you're going to be starting pretty much every game in, in the Premier League for for the foreseeable at least. McAllister, obviously, I mean, he struggled against Wolves, but I mean, the poor bloke must have been absolutely knackered. He, he just flown six thousand miles home, whatever. You know, Klopp was complaining in the press of the day before. He said, I've got players coming back from South America who we play in 24 hours. I've literally not seen them yet. So, yeah, I, I don't think look into uh, McAllister's performance at, at Wolves too much. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, it's a really positive thing to be having so much competition for places and, and hopefully it's only going to only gonna push the team on into a bit of... Well, I mean, hopefully a bit of a challenge for the title. I mean, at the moment, I, I can't really see any other team other than Liverpool who, who are going to push Man City all the way. And, I mean... I think it's been that way for for a few years now. I, for me personally, I, I never fancied Arsenal last year. I never, never really thought they were they'd be up there really challenging in the in the last few games. I mean, the the only team that have pushed City all the way in recent years is Liverpool. I, I, I think I think we're the team to do it again. To be honest, I, I think I think I probably still give City the edge this year. I, I do think they'll probably win the league, but I, th- I think we'll be up there there or thereabouts. I certainly think we'll be. I think we'll probably be closer to Man City at the end of the season than we will be to 
to whoever's finishing third, if I'm being honest right now. I mean, the, the, like you say, the competition for places just seems to be pushing everybody up a gear and it's everything's pretty positive at the moment. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red channel. Yeah, and the good thing about it, uh, Paul, is that we're doing it under the radar a little bit, aren't we? Which is nice, you know, this... Uh, you know, everyone's gone bananas over Newcastle and this idea that they're going to usurp Manchester City is, is you know, nothing short of ridiculous, really. But while they're doing that, it's not the Liverpool-Man City show. And that, and that for us, I think, is good. It's allowed us to have a little bit of the pressure off us and, and slowly go about our business. Um, you know, when he dropped two points all season, uh, done well last night. Um, and he's just, he's having, it feels like he's got that time where the spotlight isn't quite on him as much as it was, he's got this time to just do a, bit, a little bit in the darkness, in the shadows a little bit, Paul, and, and get this team right and try and, mm. try and get the balance right and, and, and really go for a push for it. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I think Liverpool probably benefiting from the fact that the, you know, in, in the kind of collective mind's eye out, outside of our bubble, they're um, just part of the pack again, aren't they? Alongside Newcastle and Arsenal and Man United and Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, whereas, you know, this is a, at least a a good chunk of the squad and certainly the management staff who know what it's all about to go and win the Premier League, to know what it's like to go and challenge City over nine months and, and 38 games. And I don't think that can be overlooked, really. It's early days, of course, and, you know, you'd be reluctant to say that Liverpool are going to be capable of, of doing it. But I totally agree with, with what Ed says about this Liverpool team can and, and maybe should be the only closest challenges to, to City because, um, okay, I, I, I like Arsenal, like the look of Arsenal. They've got loads of young, hungry players who are ready to take the next step in their prospective careers. But I just think there's so many players in this Liverpool squad who know what it's like right at the the kind of sharp end of it to know what it's like to go into the final week of the season, you know, to, uh, to try, try and challenge City. And, okay, didn't necessarily come off, was it 18 months ago when City beat Aston Villa and Liverpool beat Wolves, or it didn't come off a few years back when Liverpool beat, was it Wolves again, and, and um, City beat Brighton. But, you know, it's it's about having that mentality in the kind of final third of the season to, to know, to keep your mental strength strong and, and really, you know, take a deep breath and go for it. And uh, we'll see if, uh, if Liverpool can keep themselves in contention until then. I think at the moment, you know, it's a bit of a, an emerging team with a few new players and a little bit of a fresh look to it. And it's exciting. And I think one of the exciting things for the, for the supporters is no one really knows what the ceiling is for this team. So I think the joy in this season is going to be finding out what, what exactly it is. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And it's funny, isn't it? Because when Klopp first arrived and, we, and then we went on that, we went on that sort of gang and press, didn't we? And it was, goals were flying in either end and it was, it was non-stop. And then, and then we had a season where it was where where everyone was saying, "Where's the press? Where's the press?" And it was almost like Klopp was watching, thinking, "Well, this is a long season. It's a long domestic season. You don't have a winter break like in, in Germany. There are cup tournaments as well." And it's almost as though he arrived at this at this mental process, saying, "We cannot. We simply cannot keep the pace of that gang and press that in your face all the time and keep a season going because you know injuries will start taking taking their toll and fitness levels." And I think he's trying to find that now. It could be the reason why we're getting caught 1-0 down. More often than not, um, it's because we're, we're, we just haven't got that tempo, that pace right yet. Uh, we're starting the game slightly slower and um, uh, and getting caught out. It might not be that at all, but there is a definite pace element. 
And as Ghosty said, you know, you could sort of see Arsenal and yourself, you could sort of see Arsenal run out of steam last season, couldn't you? It takes a lot. It takes a lot. And people have really underestimated the achievements of what Liverpool have been doing with the, with the, with the resources and the team they've had over City. Because they're the only ones who've been anywhere near them for, for, for a, quite a few seasons now. Took a league from them, spanked them when we won it um, with eight games spare. And that is some achievements. And, uh, and, and it just feels like that balance is, is, is what he's working on at the moment. Just to, to pace the game right. Starting a bit slow, but if we can get that pace right in the first half as well, mate, we'll be formidable, I think. Yeah, we've we've not quite seen that um, Liverpool, you know, coming out and blowing teams away that maybe Liverpool 1.0 under Jurgen Klopp were doing. But at the same time, I think a lot of people after the pre-season, you know, we conceded so many goals. I think a lot of people were expecting a bit of a um, a 13-14 campaign, you know, where we nearly won the league. But it was, it was under Brendan Rodgers and it was, all right, you score three, but we'll score four because we've got Suarez, basically. And I think a lot of people were sort of expecting Liverpool to have to go out and you know, blow teams away, outscore teams again this season. But I mean, while while they have looked a bit a bit frail defensively at times, they haven't been conceding anywhere near the volume of goals. I don't think a lot of people would have been expecting. And yeah, that finding that right tempo to sort of put push Man City all the way that's the difficult thing, isn't it? And, and maintaining across you know three or four cup competitions, we've got the the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, the um, Europa League as well. As you say, we've got. Plenty of squad depth now to be to be spreading across all those competitions, but it is about just just finding that that right tempo th- throughout the season, not not getting hampered by injuries. But j- just going back to you know Liverpool being that that only team that that have pushed Man City. I mean, it, if you take if and sort of being as you say undervalued ha- how well they've done. If you take Liverpool out of, out of that the equation, you know the Premier League's like the Bundesliga or league earn at this point, isn't it? I mean, we've pushed them all the way a few times, and it still looks like City maybe are going to win four in a row, which obviously has, has never been done in the Premier League. And I, th- I think people do have massively, I think we saw it a lot last season with with people, a lot of Arsenal fans expecting them to push City all the way. And it's like, it's, it is not that easy, especially when, you know, they've got what Arteta, a relatively inexperienced manager, a, a, a very inexperienced squad compared to, to Liverpool's very youthful. And yeah, that I think that is probably why you look at Liverpool as being even with that drop-off last season and Arsenal having pushed City a bit, I think that's why a lot of people are, certainly in Liverpool's fan base, are looking at us as, as the team that can push Man City again and, and hopefully keep the Premier League interesting for a bit longer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Paul, isn't it? Because because City haven't done what they normally do, which is a slow start. They've hit the, ball, they've hit the ground running, haven't either won every game. And, you know, the... You can rely on a couple of draws and maybe even as a feat the first 10 games and the, uh, at the moment they're, they're, they're heading towards them. But so will we, you know, you, you take away the Chelsea uh, draw and it's and it's it's full steam ahead for us. It's going to be them interactions with City, isn't it? They're going to be very interesting. And of course, don't get me wrong, it's not just a Liverpool City show, but they, they're, they're where you find your benchmark, aren't they? And it's going to be interesting. I, 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 we, were t- we talked about McAllister uh, uh, against Wolves being run. It's. I think he's. I feel like he's in that situation at the moment. Ghost. He's got to get out of when he's trying too hard now. He's. He's. he's even last night he came on, and gave the ball away a few times, overhit passes, uh, to a few f- lost possession and stuff. And I feel like he's. He's. He's just got to take a breath and 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 make the game easier for himself to play. Bit of bit of over trying mm-hmm. at the moment, Paul. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into the first half against Wolves. You've seen him. Seen him on the oxygen canisters, they me and the and Klopp, Klopp said a few times in his press conference on the Friday last week. He was in the Bolivian mountains till 
you know, 12,000 feet above sea level and he didn't get back until four o'clock in the morning on Thursday and he's back in the team on Saturday. I think, if anything, that was Klopp's mistake in starting him, really, because he, he was well off the pace. He got booked early on. Like you say, he was giving it away far too often and it was a bit of a relief when he was taken out of the final line. So I, I, I'd be hesitant to, to draw any major conclusions from that other than the fact that it was a mistake from Klopp. But, um, yeah, maybe, maybe there is something in the fact that he just needs to calm it down a little bit and, um, you know, have this belief that he's at Liverpool for a reason. He's a he's a World Cup winner with Argentina and he was a major part of that midfield that won the World Cup. But, you know, it wasn't just Lionel Messi and, and 10 others. He was a huge part of it alongside Enzo Fernandez and, and Rodrigo De Paul in midfield. So, yeah, he, he certainly should have a bit of belief and confidence in his ability. He was on the stand-up midfielders in the Prem last season, wasn't he, for Brighton, he finished sixth and... Him and Caicedo were the stars of the show. So um yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned at the moment. It'd be good to see him put in a, a proper performance at the weekend though. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's as I say, I think it's just that thing where he just needs to calm down and, and, and let the game come to him. He, he, he's he's caught between that because he because of the Wolves game because which like you say, you know, it was all to do with fitness really than anything else and what he had left in the tank. And then that and then of course getting sent off in the first game against Bournemouth. I, I feel like he's 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 desperately trying to trying to trying to prove his worth, and he doesn't need to. We know what he's about. We know he's a quality player, and it'll come to him. But as uh, as like continues to uh, to impress, doesn't he? Ed? I mean, he, he came on last night, and, and and he drops his shoulder and does these little quick turns, doesn't he? And then just sprints forward, gets into the box. I saw a bit of it from Gravenberch as well last night. He was doing a little bit of that striding forward. Really exciting times in midfield, mate. And as like you can imagine, is one of the first on a team sheet now. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly what you want to see from uh, Liverpool's number eight, isn't it? I mean, hopefully his uh, his injury record is better than the the previous one, and uh, he can uh, sort of maintain those levels throughout the season. But I mean, if if you look at it, the guy, is just an absolute athlete. I mean, a, a incredible footballer as well. But obviously, I think when he when he first came in in the summer and they're doing all the lactate tests. Um, you know, testing the fitness, the one that Milner won, I think, seven or eight years in a row or something like that. I think he scored really highly in them. I remember seeing a few things saying they were really impressed with him. But yeah, I mean, I th- one of my favourite parts from last night, I'm not sure if you saw it after the game, but I think he was giving it a bit to the uh, the Lask fans. I think they remembered him from his uh, from his Salzburg days. But yeah, it seems like a real character, a real athlete and unbelievable footballer. Obviously, we all we all heard about, you know, the, the ball striking ability. He got that one against, uh, it was Villa, wasn't it, um, from that corner. Obviously, it was a bit of a weird strike, actually. It sort of came off his foot a bit, a bit strangely, but, I mean, flew into <laughs> flew into the uh, the corner of the net all the same. And, yeah, I mean, a bit of the same from, from Gravenberg yesterday, um, you know, sort of bursting forward. It's, you, seeing somebody who can sort of take that ball from midfield and really drive forward with it, I think that's what Liverpool, Liverpool did miss a bit last year. I mean, we've not had a... A real, I'd say we've not had a real creative force in the midfield probably since Coutinho left. Really, I still don't really think they they ever really replaced him. Obviously, people talking a lot about needing to replace Wijnaldum. I think that's something he offered a little bit more when when he was in the squad. Obviously, sort of driving forward as well as that sort of combative approach in midfield, which is something that Soboslai brings as well. But yeah, I have to I have to say I think coming out of pre season, I, th- I think myself and a fair few others, everyone I spoke to on podcasts as well, were sort of expecting McAllister to be the more seamless fit into the team, especially with, obviously, 
him having pre- Premier League experience previously with Brighton. But, I mean, Soboslai, I have to say, he's amazed me. I'm sure he's amazed plenty of other people with just how well he's fit into that midfield three. And as we say, he's, he's probably the only one, really, who's nailed down a spot in there for now. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because, because I mean, it's almost to me, I look at McAllister and I feel like that's not the position he wants to play. He doesn't want to hold. I think he wants to do that. But Slobberslai has just done such a seamless transition. He gets the ball, he piles, piles forward and, and, and there, there isn't really any any uh, uh, any choice but to, to have a hold midfield stand behind. So I think McAllister is in a situation really where uh, and hopefully he gets to, to grips with it uh, is that he's more, even Gravenberg, Although he was holding quite a bit, but Gravenberge was striding, striding forward as well, wasn't he? So it's one of those situations where we don't know what he's going to do with McCarthy, what he did with Wijnaldum, who was an attacking midfielder, and um, and get him to hold the ball up a little bit. And I, I feel like maybe that's that's why he's getting caught in possession a little bit because he doesn't, he's not because it's not his natural instinct to do it. Um, he wants to get forward, but 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 he's he's he's, he's receiving the ball with his back to players, and and then he's having to try and look up and knock on in it. He's just getting caught out a little bit. It's just about getting grips with the with, with the pace of the game in that position, Paul. Yeah, definitely. It's um I think he sees himself more as a as a number eight, maybe even a number ten than, than a defensive midfielder and a number six, as they call them in, in the modern terminology. Um but with the makeup of the squad, that might be something he'll have to do for a, a little while longer. Yeah, I don't think um Endo is gonna be playing in that role week in, week out, although he is the kind of specialist number six in the squad, everything points towards getting Gravenberch on board and, and trying to develop him and mould him over the long term. But he's another one who, who probably see himself as a little bit more of an attacking midfielder. I mean, I suppose from Gravenberch's perspective, he's only, was he 21? So there's a load of time on his side to, to reshape him on the, on the pitch and get him used to a little bit of a new tactical role. And, and that's something the Klopp's always done, really, you know, over his time at Liverpool. Everyone you look at, you know, when they joined, he's kind of shifted them somewhere else. You know, Sadio Mane spent a season in the on the right of Liverpool's attack. Salah joined, so he moved off to the left. James Milner basically played everywhere on, underneath Klopp. And Wijnaldum, like you mentioned, is, was more of an attacking midfielder before he joined and then turned into a kind of controller of a midfielder. So... I think there is a, a long-term project in there for Graham Bates to maybe eventually become that settled number six. But until then, however long it takes, I think McAllister is going to be the one who's put in there. And, and while he might not like it, it might just be something he'll have to get used to. But um, I think long-term, you could probably see him as one of the kind of two number eights, you know, alongside Zabozlai or you know, even Thiago, if, if it's this season, somewhere down the line. But um, yeah, he's not a, a natural combative defensive midfielder is he and, and I suppose that goes back to what some fans wanted in the, in the transfer market and they never quite did it for whatever reason so um, needs must at the moment but um, I, I still think he will be a, a top player for Liverpool as he's, he's proven that in the Premier League over the last what two years or so Yeah it's interesting because ironically uh, it's what makes uh, a great holding midfielder into a world class holding, holding midfielder is the goals they can get as well so we talk about a whole midfielder, you know, not getting forward, but but certainly in Liverpool's colours, you Stephen Gerrard, you Graham Soonis's, and you know, Ray Kennedy's, and, and Jimmy Cases, they, they, they all got goals as well, and that's what um, that's what we need to do with, with McAllister, don't we? We need to make if he wants to be that whole midfielder, he's got to know as well that that 
great hold midfielders can score goals and pop up with important goals as well. So there will be a moving forward. Graven Bage moving forward means he'll hold back and hopefully we'll get that fluidity so that they can swap around and then Graven Bage can hold back while he gets forward as well. Either way, it's 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 probably a good problem to have for, for Jurgen Klopp at the moment. I mean, it could have been worse. We could have had Kai Seido. Um, but it is a great pro- problem to have, Ed, isn't it? Because it just looks to me now, now he's getting, he's got the personnel to be able to do these little adjustments now. He, and, you know, last couple of seasons, whether it be centre-backs cover or last season, the midfield cover, it just feels now as though uh, he, he looks like he can he can mess with, 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 with rotations and he can mess with formations. I don't mean mess, I mean maybe, you know. Um, experiment with them and see which one fits fits better for the season because Endo we haven't even mentioned Endo but he had a solid game last night he didn't put any foot wrong again the quality of performers um, may have figured into that but um, he's another one who we don't really mention who can who can pop in and certainly take a lot of the stress off the cup runs anyway so it just feels like we're in a place where we're getting more balanced doesn't it yeah well you're spot on about the um, popping up with goals from defensive midfield I mean you look at the I think everybody agrees the best defensive midfielder in the world right now is Rodri how many big goals did he scored for City last season? I mean, you look at, I mean, besides his legs going, one of the big differences in Fabinho's game last season from the previous season was, I think the season before he got four or five goals. I don't think he scored a single goal for Liverpool last uh, last season. I mean, this, the season before that, I think a couple of them were penalties, if I'm remembering correctly. But I mean, I, I can think of that one against City that he scored when they were complaining about the handball down the other end. I mean, it... You want your midfielders to be able to score goals, no matter whether they're a defensive midfielder or an attacking midfielder. You want them to be able to pop up on the edge of the box and, and finish from time to time. And that is definitely something, if McAllister's going to be playing that number six role, that's definitely something we know he's got in his locker. I'm not necessarily sure it is something so much for Endo, although we did see the clips of him, um, I think, scoring for Stuttgart to keep them in the Bundesliga, um, <laughs> went in, uh, sent them into raptures. So we know he has got a, a big goal in him if it comes to it. But yeah, I mean... You talk about the balance of that midfield and, and being able to play around with the, the formations. I think the the one thing I'm not sure he can do after after that Wolves game. Obviously, we saw we saw Bicetic last night in sort of playing that inverted fullback role. And I think we got away with it more so than with Joe Gomez playing against Wolves. But I think that's probably due to the standard of the opposition. I'm I'm not sure really in the Premier League if we can get away with with playing that that sort of box midfield with the inverted fullback without Trent playing really because I think he's he's just such a unique player so he he brings a different kind of balance to that midfield if that is the system you're going to play but yeah I'm, I, I I agree with what Gorsi says I, I don't think for the long term McAllister will be that number six option but for now like you say I, I don't see Endo playing week in week out I think it looks like he has been bought as sort of you know, we'll plug him in as and when we need him in that number six role. Maybe if we want to go a bit more defensive, but if not, we think we can go with a, a McAllister in the six and maybe Thiago and Soboslai or Gravenberg and, and Soboslai or Curtis Jones and Soboslai. Like we say, we've got so many options now in that midfield three. It is about just finding that perfect balance and, and hopefully, certainly, especially in the Premier League, they can find that this season. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, let's talk about the manager for a second. Then, obviously, you know, uh, Hans Flick was um, sacked as German coach, and you know, every Liverpool fan in the world suddenly went, "Oh, where we go? Are they going to come and knock?" And they did. They 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 they, they wanted Jurgen Klopp, Klopp, and uh, and he answered them quite categorically, really, didn't he? 
um, basically saying, you know, he's not thrown away eight years here. He signed it. He made a lovely quote saying, and I'm paraphrasing it, I'm trying to find it at the moment, um, when he's talking about saying, uh, you know, as far as he's aware, he wasn't drugged and he wasn't tied up when he, when he signed. So, um, you know, he, he was in his right mind when he did it. He's not going anywhere. Always a worry, isn't it, in the back of your mind. But, but for me, Gorsty, what makes Klopp unique and what makes Klopp so special to Liverpool is, I don't think any Liverpool fan ever really believed that he was even going to entertain something like that. Maybe down the road a little bit later mm. on in his career, but I don't think anyone really entertained that he was going to going to uh, take any of those things seriously and leave Liverpool. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think between him and his agent, they've, they've got a nice little way of working in that Klopp will gently say no. You know, he, he won't be disrespectful because it could be a position he covers down the line. And obviously, it's his, his nation and, and Germany. You know, is, is huge. So, so he'll kind of softly play it down and then his agent tends to come out a few days later and, and absolutely dismiss it out of hand and I think I think they've done that maybe three or four times now and the most recent one was um, was it last week so they've got a decent little way of working there I think um, I think what he says is true he, he he's very enthusiastic from seeing him around the training ground about this new look team and the way everything's working getting to work with new players and shaping a, a Liverpool 2.0 as he, as he called it only today, actually. So, um, I think maybe at some point he could fancy that Germany job. He's still, what is he now, mid-55, 56. There's still time for him to maybe do that job, have a crack at a major international tournament in a few years' time. But I think for now, he is very much committed to um, to the Liverpool rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. His quote was, I've just found it, my heart is here in Liverpool you can't just cut out the eight years. I signed a contract here, and as far as I can remember, I wasn't drugged or tied up, and I had to sign with my mouth. <laughs> Lost in translation a little bit. I don't think there's ever going to be a, a situation where Klopp is kind of just shuffled out the back in the middle of an international break to go and take over Germany. I think when when his exit, you know, does finally come, I think you know, was in the media and, and supporters will be made aware of it months before it happens. There'll be a great big send up in the way there was for Roberto Firmino, documentaries made about him and, and all that kind of stuff. It's certainly not going to be one where Germany sacked the manager and, and Klopp is appointed in the middle of an international break. So I think supporters can rest easy there. Um, and I just think maybe they've just got to enjoy the next few years and the final few years of, of Klopp. And, and I see all the time about you know fans talking about who they'd like when Klopp you know, finally shuffles off. And I just think... Why do why why does it need to be a debate at the moment? You know, people talking about Roberto De Zerbi now. You know, three years ago, you know, very few people are there to him, and a lot of it is dependent on who's the kind of flavor of the month at the at, at the time, and you know what the kind of records are. But I think for now, Liverpool fans don't have to worry themselves about who it's going to be, and just enjoy these last few years. Yeah, and I find it very annoying, Ed, when, when people start saying put that and, and, and like clickbaiting little silly things like that. It's uh, uh, Nagelsmann's got the job anyway now, thankfully, but it was never going to be an issue, was it? But it, you just get these little things. It's it's just the unsettling stuff, and it's the same as the Sana thing, and it that's that's going to keep rearing its ugly head, and maybe next season it's a decision he wants to make, and if they're offering ridiculous amounts of money, as irreplaceable as he is, um, ultimately it's about the person and the individual and whether they want to go and it's quite clear that Jürgen Klopp doesn't want to go he wants to stay here and he wants to build a 2.0 and um, and, and prove himself again well, not that he has to towards but you know he, he wants that attack again doesn't he on City he knows how far ahead they are financially and with everything else and he wants he knows that Liverpool are the only real threat there is yeah spot on I mean I, 
what Gorsi says there about um, Deserby and, and people talking about wanting him as a replacement, like, who knows where he's going to be in three years' time. He could be at Real Madrid or he could be in the Championship. No, nobody's got a clue. And thinking thinking about who's going to replace Klopp in three years' time, it, it, it's just a, it's a waste of time. And it is very similar very similar to the Salah thing. Obviously, the Salah thing slightly more immediate because there's a lot of speculation that maybe he'll go next summer. Um, Liverpool will look to cash in on him because he'll only have another year on his contract. I mean... For my money, I'm hoping Liverpool managed to tie them both down to an extra five years because I, I, I'm going to be absolutely heartbroken when when they do go. I mean, it is it's going to be it will be brutal when it'll be brutal brutal when Salah goes, but it'll be even worse when when Jurgen Klopp goes. But like we say, thankfully that's not something Liverpool fans need to be worrying about at the moment. Obviously, there's always going to be talk about about that Germany job, especially when Hansi Flick gets sacked in the manner that he did, but. Like Gorsi says, it, it, it's never going to leave halfway through a season. It, it will be a, a very orchestrated exit, I would imagine, when when that time does come. And I, I can't imagine he'll want to go straight into the Germany job either. I would imagine he'll want a, a, a bit of a holiday. And I think, I dare say, he'll have earned it by a, by the time he's finished at Liverpool with everything he's done for us. And, you know, the, the kind of football he plays, it, it must be exhausting being a football manager. I mean, all, all the media duties, everything. I, I'd, I'd want a break from it if I was him. And, Maybe maybe if the Germany job does come comes up again a few few years later, he's had he's had a bit of time off. I think he'd be great in international management. I thought why couldn't he go and win a Germany a World Cup? I mean, I know they've they've struggled in recent years, but I, th- I think he'd be fantastic at it. And I, I wouldn't begrudge him if he if he did end up leaving Liverpool and going straight to to Germany, as long as he did see out that contract. I don't think many people would be angry about it as long as he didn't leave, you know, halfway through a season. But yeah. I just don't think it's something Liverpool fans need to be need to be worrying about at the moment. He's made it so clear, as Gorsi says, through himself, through through his agent, many many times over the years that Liverpool is where his heart is. This this is his project. He's he's signed up until it's summer twenty twenty six still, isn't it? So yeah, just not something we need to be concerning ourselves really with at the moment. I don't think. Absolutely, say no more about it. Nagelman's got the job and crack on with it. Uh, Liverpool's next uh, game now, obviously. You can only really judge Liverpool Ghosty uh, and how they're doing with with, with the two point zero and how it's going um, with the competition that they face, isn't it? The teams they face. Tough one on Sunday, mate. West Ham at home. Um, they're doing very well. Ward Prowse has, I think he scored in every game he's played. Now he's a good player, man. He's one of them players that you watched over the years and went, he's amazing at set pieces. Mm. Um, you know the fact that he doesn't get any England call ups is is just remarkable. Um, but maybe he's going to start, you know, turning heads a bit more now and having a chance. And I don't know he's had a couple of chances, but, but nowhere near what he should have done, I think. He's a great player. Uh, West Ham in general, decent, uh, good run of form. Um, getting that form again that they had, they were very hard to beat at home. But uh, this is a home game Sunday, uh, two o'clock kickoff. This is another stiff test for Liverpool, Paul. Yeah, do you know what? I was looking, I was looking at the, the Premier League table a couple of weeks back and I was thinking that there's not many games now that you play... And you think I oh, should be a fairly comfortable afternoon. That one, there's maybe three or four. Um, it seems to be the competition seems to be stronger than ever. And, and West Ham are certainly one of those emerging teams, aren't they? Along with the likes of you know Brighton and, and Brentford and maybe one or two others, Aston Villa. Um, just kind of underneath the, the top, really. And, and West Ham started really well. I've seen them against Chelsea. I thought they was they were superb. Um, very physical. Dangerous set pieces, like you say, Ward Prowse is, is settled in so well there, and, and Klopp actually named him in his. Uh, he did like kind of pre-match press conference to it, not in person because of the logistics of being in Austria, but it was kind of 
disseminated to the rest of the media this morning. And he referenced um, Ward Prowse in that kind of unprompted. Said he's a great player. Said David Moyes is doing a superb job. And you know, the likes of Antonio up top, he'll be looking to cause havoc, only a real physical presence who doesn't quite get the credit he deserves. I think I'm not sure why. Um, so Virgil van Eich will have to be at it alongside Canate. And yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But ultimately, if, if Liverpool are serious about, I seem to say this a lot, Liverpool are serious about doing what they want to do this season. You've got to take care of the business at home. And, and West Ham at home is one of those games where you'd be confident that they'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Ed, you know, we've got um, we've got West Ham at home. Uh, and then we've got a home game in the EFL with Leicester City. You can imagine he's probably going to put a few of the players that played last night, if not all of them, in that one. Uh, and then we've got a Europa League. And then an interesting, well, an interesting test in the next two games, then Brighton away at the Amex. I mean, this is really one of your litmus tests, tests isn't it? Because they, um, they took care of us uh, well, well and truly, didn't they? And, and uh, this will be one of those tests where Brighton are flying, doing really well. They got beaten in Europe last night. That's a different... It's a different kind of game, isn't it? But that'll be an interesting one. And then, of course, we've got the derby at Anfield. So um, it's going to be an interesting one coming up. Uh, every game should be like that, shouldn't it? Every game should be a tester for Liverpool. But uh, I'll just see the, the West Ham game and then I'm going to ask you both for a, a scoreline before we leave. Or what do you think about the West Ham game? And it's going to be a bit, a bit of a tough test. Yeah, they're a good team. I, I think they've got to be, first of all, I think you've got to commend them for sticking by Moyes last season. I think it, I think a lot of people thought he was a goner. Obviously, they won that won the Conference League. That probably bought him a lot of credit. But I think a lot of people thought that they still, they still might be gone. But obviously, they've stuck with him. There was a lot of people going, oh my God, West Ham have got £100 million odd pounds for Declan Rice and they're still the only team that haven't signed a player in the transfer window. Obviously, they eventually did. They've, they've recruited pretty well with, with the money they got from him and they're a good side. I think if if you want to know what West Ham's game plan is going to be, you've only got to go and watch the game they played against Brighton uh, this season. Obviously, they absolutely done them on the counter-attack. 3-1 was it, I think. So I think that's what they'll be looking to to come and do at Anfield. And yeah, like like Gorsi says, physical, real physical presence up top with, uh, with Antonio. I mean, I'm sure he's been saying what he's going to do to Liverpool on his podcast because he can't keep his mouth shut on that, uh, on that pod with Callum Wilson at the moment. He's always chirping. But yeah, I mean... It's, it's going to be a tough test, but like Gorsty says, that there's no real gimmies in the Premier League. I mean, there never has been really, but especially now. I mean, you, you look at that table, there's so many so many good teams with the exception of probably, I mean, Luton and Everton are probably the only two gimmies you can look at now. I mean, I might look silly in a few weeks after the derby, but those are the only two that you, you look at really now. And it's like... Obviously, Burnley are in the bottom three as well, but I'm never going to look at Burnley as an easy game. I think they did the double over us a few years ago under Dyche, didn't they? I mean, they've always been a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a difficult run. But, I mean, you, you, you can look at any sample of five games at this point, or at any point in the season, I think, at this point, with, with the standard of competition in the Premier League. And you can say that it is going to be a tough run. So, yeah, Liverpool have just got to keep battling, hopefully, it won't need to be another comeback victory and uh, maybe a clean sheet with a... Virgil and Canate back. Obviously, they both played last night. It was good to see them partnering each other again at the back. And yeah, hopefully Trent's fit and we can play that that system and 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 get a good result. But yeah, like you say, there's no easy games in the Premier League. Go on, then you've gone for a clean sheet. What, what are you what are you going to pull out the bag? Go on. I'm going to say two nil, two nil. Okay, I'll have that. Uh, Ghosty, you're going for a clean sheet. You have the confidence yet of a clean sheet? <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be tough. Um... I think Liverpool will win it, but it's it's going to be another tough day. I think I'd, I'd, I'd even venture 
that West Ham might take the lead and it's going to take another little bit of a rejig off the bench maybe and a comeback and then I think Liverpool might sneak it 2-1. All right, I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. It seems to be a, a bit, but it's just that feel at the moment of just, it's still a little bit leaky. It's a bit of a slow start, but hopefully, certainly come half-time, we've got the best half-time manager, I think, in world football. If anyone can get his points across to a team, Jürgen Klopp will. Well, fingers crossed the clean sheet would be even better. Paul Gorse, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, my mate. Say hello to the dog for me. <laughs> the dog's well, a candy-coloured dog, and, and, and when he lifted off your leg, I thought you were lifting up a, a massive French baguette. And for the second, I looked up and said, is that your lunch? Um, so, good to see you, Ghosty. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing, pal. I'll see you on the next one, hopefully. And, Ed, thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate it. It's yeah. EPK, at EPK Jano, if you want to send any lovely messages to Ed. Um, you can send a bit of hate if you want as well. Don't send any hate. It's not hate. <laughs> uh, and at PC Ghost, if you want to send all our hates to Pond Joking. Uh, just nothing but love for them too. They're good lads. Thank you very much, boys. Uh, just as a little... Um, I began with saying it as well just to, to plug local theatre go if you want to go on a good night out go to the Royal Court and watch Boys from the Black Stuff it is a fantastic show uh, thank you for listening thank you for listening to all the podcasts all the downloaded podcasts of course Ale Le Rouge and all the umbrella ones as well for uh, Blood Red and we'll see you all again soon tough match on Sunday but the Reds will prevail hopefully another three points marching towards a fight with City uh, this is Neil Fitz and I'll see you on the next Poetry in Motion You've been listening to Poetry in Motion from the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red channel. 